on the 2023-2024 regular season finale of the Corner Sports Podcast. We'll talk about all of the Week 18 NFL action that impacted the NFL playoffs. We will talk about Black Monday or Black Tuesday if you're the Tennessee Titans. And we'll give out some fantasy football awards for the 2023 NFL fantasy football season. All next on episode 121 of the Corner Sports Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome on in, welcome on back. This is episode 121 of the Corner Sports Podcast. And as always, or as most of the time, I should say, we have two of our three co-hosts here. This is Christian <laughs> the Commish Riley, joined by one of my co-hosts, Paul P.K. Kaler. Coogs has been an enigma this entire season. Browns lost. Browns did lose, so, so I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised. Kind of sticking to the trend. Although, he did have the whole, like, work... Uh, schedule that he did send us in the group chat i've so. heard i've heard rumors of quote-unquote forced fun forced fun that's what i've heard i don't know if that sounds like a like bad sexual experience or <laughs> I, or what's going like a, down there. i might toe the lines of illegal <laughs> but maybe we should <laughs> delve from this topic <laughs> but anyway we're rolling with two on this regular season finale of the corner sports podcast don't how don't know how much coverage we'll be going over for uh the playoffs in general but with this being our season five finale, at least for now, there's a lot to talk about for week 18, even though pretty much everything fantasy football related has been signed, sealed, delivered, and paid out. Finally, including for you, those of you week 18ers out there. Yes. And we've discussed it on this podcast before, and it, the discussion kind of went away in the fantasy football world, the difference between the fantasy football championship in week 17, when it was a 16-game slate, and the week 18 championships now i'm not as all for playing every week now that they've extended it one more week but i did love back in the day you love the chaos the week 17 chaos mm -hmm. of the fantasy football world and i mean i can see why some people didn't like it but i just loved the all right who's this backup gonna be who's who's this team gonna sit if this happens are they gonna, these if is this team gonna bench these guys at halftime if they realize that their opponent isn't going to win X, Y, and Z, or all of that. I used to love that just chess match mm -hmm. that would happen in Week 17. But now, I feel like with the Week 18 slate, the season's long enough where it's the best of both worlds. I get the 14-game regular season that I wanted, and the people that hated the last week championships don't have to deal with it, we can keep Week 17 where it is. There still were people in the fantasy football world saying that they still wish it was 14, 15, 16 for playoffs mm. and two weeks at the end that don't matter mm. because of some that. fluky things where some people would sit certain games. And it's a very rare scenario where any team has two weeks to not play people. You could count on one hand how many times you've seen that happen. And I'm not even sure if I can bring any off the top of my head. And the other thing is, is that if, if your league were to do this, if you're listening at home and your league is talking about taking a week away of your fantasy playoffs, 
you cannot have a week 14 regular have a week 14 playoff matchup there's still bye weeks in week 14 yeah that's an absolute that's an absolute absolute no go yeah no absolutely because yeah just th- that we had this discussion last year i'm sure we had it the year before when they went to the 18 week schedule but to have bye weeks and the whole point of waiting to the end of the season is to avoid the bye weeks for our fantasy playoffs. Yes, like that's that's most. I mean, yeah, sure, it's natural. The order of things you you know playoffs happen at the end of the, at the end of the season, but they happen when they happen, and partially because the bye weeks are done. It's just you can't have bye weeks during playoffs. That's a, that's a cardinal sin yeah. of fantasy. If the NFL were to ever end their bye weeks at week thirteen, it would be more acceptable to have your playoffs in your fantasy league start at week 14 keyword being more acceptable. more acceptable like i i still don't understand why anyone would not want to have a week 17 slate mm-hmm. of fantasy football action because there's so few scenarios where like can you think of a single scenario this season that someone wasn't going for it in week 17 no i'm pretty sure that both of the one seeds clinched the one seeds in week 17 yeah making week 18 meaningless which yeah. is that's that's the gimme. That's the all right. We can meet in the middle there. But I can't think of a single scenario this year or last where in week seventeen anyone was resting. No, that's what I'm and, saying. Like, and for NFL teams, it'd be bad for them to rest two straight games. And the likelihood of that even happening to begin with is insane because you figure there's not that much of a there's not a two game gap or I guess it would have to be a three game gap from the one seed to the two seed. So where they have everything locked up and there's nothing to play for. But if it was to that point where it was a three-game gap or more, then you're probably looking at a team that's undefeated, and they're still not resting people because they want to go for the undefeated season. Yes. So. And, I mean, and think about just this week, and we'll go into the NFL side of things, before, or we'll go into the fantasy side of things before we dig into this NFL side. But on this topic, think of all the matchups in this week that still had a lot to play for as far as like not even going for like the one seed. There were probably like five-ish games Maybe not even because there was the which games were sitting like everybody. There was the I mean, Brown the Browns were because they couldn't move. Baltimore did what I was mainly going for, and I didn't really say it correctly. Was that there weren't many seeds that didn't have a reason to play. That, that couldn't move up or down. Yeah, like even though that the Lions were locked into their spot, they still played their guys because there was a chance that they could move up to the two seed. I it know, backfired. That was, a, that was a controversial choice. It backfired. Yeah, but there was still that chance, and because there was that chance, they still went for it. Like the Browns couldn't, the Niners couldn't, the Ravens couldn't. Um, after halftime, the Chiefs couldn't. The Chiefs couldn't. Like those scenarios, yeah. So I understand why the Week 18 and the previous Week 17's got the black eye that they did. But I think it's fun to have all but this week, and then focusing your Week 18 on either your team's playoff scenario or pick up Fanduel. Exactly. Pick up some best bets. And is it? Let me tell you, DFS is fun in Week 18. I'm sure. I don't know. For me. Getting to week 18 and grinding all the way there with your usual strategy is it, it kind of like for it to turn into the wild west in week 18. I feel like that's kind of it kind of discredits the previous 17 weeks. I understand yeah. doing it, and I, I just don't want to do it in like the majority of leagues or really any leagues. I do it for like one, but outside of that, that's that's just too much because, like, the like I said, the grind of the fantasy season to go all 17 weeks to that point and then throwing everything out the window come week 18 to decide a champion that's too much for me. Yeah. But DFS is very fun. It's, it, you want to talk about the Wild West. It is 
because there's you don't you, you save so much on salary uh, in DFS because of all the backups that are in, like Samir White, who's been in the last few weeks. But yeah. I mean, guys like that. So yeah, DFS is a blast in Week 18. So I had pretty much all of my focus, and, I, and I'm sure that your focus was on the betting side of things in Week 18 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think you know me? I, a little bit. Oh, okay. We've we've done this a few times, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to share one little bet that I made on FanDuel. I think I sent it to you and Coogs, where I was like, all right, let's let's, let's get, get rich. Yeah, let's get rich. It was a $40 bet to win 10k. That would constitute getting rich in my book. And it was a eight-leg anytime touchdown scoring parlay. And it started off with the one o'clock window where I had Derrick Henry, check. Joe Mixon, check. David Montgomery, check. Boom. In the four o'clock window, I had CeeDee Glam, check. <laughs> and then, so that's four for four. And that's where it fell apart. Mm. And do you know why it fell apart? <sighs> I can't remember the list. Jalen Hurts. No. Oh. I had Jalen Hurts anytime because I was like, oh, playing the Giants. They're going to get to the one-yard line. They have they have a lot to play for. You're mm-hmm. either going on the road in round one or you're hosting round two. Like, you're hosting as the two seed. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way that they're going to lose to the Giants. They got embarrassed. They got crushed by the Giants. They got embarrassed so bad that it turned into half of a bye week for them because they rested their guys and then Jalen at the, halftime he dislocated his finger like it was a it was a nightmare for them did you was there a cash out option by that time or no there was a cash out option at the one o'clock they games they where it was I, I could have i could have cashed out after the one o'clock games and got 150 oh, so i would have bad. i would have won 110 it's not that bad but i was because I put in 40. But you're not doing that. 150. I was like, you know what? I'm going for the 10K. Let's yeah, go. You're, yeah, you're not doing that. And I already had in the Jets-Patriots game, I put a $50 bet on the live under when I saw that snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I already won that 40 back. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with house money. Nice. So let's roll. And then Jalen Hurts goes out at halftime. And I was like, Fuck that'll do it. Because as soon as he went out, there's no cash out option. Mm-hmm. As soon as Philly benched their starters... The whole thing was like cash out unavailable. That's a donation to FanDuel. Uh, yeah, that that's how they get you. <laughs> that is, that's it. But I mean, if it was easy, they'd be handing out 10k like crazy. So that is true. That's fair. Maybe I got a little. I can barely even get 10, much less 10k. <laughs> Although I was happy that my best bet hit. I did put. I threw a couple bones on that, and that hit. So the Green Bay covering three. Oh yes, they did. So that felt good. And one of the first times I actually placed a bet on my best bet, because usually I forget by Sunday. Yeah, my best bet last week was the Bills minus three. Hey, there you go. And that did hit. That I, was an interesting little game there. That was. But let's dig into some the fantasy football side of things now that we can close the chapter on fantasy football. And then we'll dig into more of these playoff scenarios that we were just talking about. And usually we give out some very generic fantasy football awards who was the steal of the draft who is your who's your biggest um like who's the biggest bust of the year who's your mvp and i wanted to spice it up just a little bit and tailor it more to our teams instead of the generic oh my my mvp that that's cmc because because he's good at football no shit (laughs) you know what hey coogs that's a great point i love that you made that point for us thank you and to be fair, I think we all would have picked yeah, CMC I mean, of course, as the MVP. Yeah. I'm just so, saying, I'm just picking on him because he's out, that's all. Yeah, because if you're not here, we get to pick on you. Yeah. Them's the rules. That's just how it goes. But I wanted to start off our 2023 Fantasy Football Awards with our favorite pick from our rosters of the year. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go straight for a guy that almost, not single-handedly, but without him, I would not have won a championship. And I'm actually going with the Dynasty draft pick, if I can do that. Go ahead. My fourth round pick in my Flea Flicker Dynasty draft was Puka Nakua. Ooh. 
And without him, I'm not sniffing the championship game. I doubt. Actually, him, probably not. It was him. It was a couple of Rams that really got me there. Was I, I picked up Kyron Williams week one off waivers. Somebody dropped him. Yep. I, I scooped him up. And then yeah, and the, he would also be a very honorable mention. Oh, absolutely for this yeah. for this award. I wanted to totally. I, I wanted to not turn it into like a total Rams segment, but yeah, those two guys without yes. them, I would not have won that championship. So Puka Nakua breaking all kinds of rookie records is a fifth round pick, mind you. Just uh, incredible stuff. Uh, for 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 me, definitely because he, he that pick directly led to a championship. So he is my favorite pick of the year and a fourth round pick in Dynasty. That's not bad. Last round. once you get to the third and fourth round in rookie drafts, those are like throw out. You're throwing darts. Yeah. Now to what you said there with Puka, I did have a few shares of him when he started his ascension in mm-hmm. week one and two early in the year when we had him on. You know our our. Well, we didn't have many waiver ads because we were doing Tuesday episodes this year. Mm. But there were a couple of leagues where I did add him in weeks like one or two. And there was one team, and I want to read you this roster. I want you to tell me what you think this roster did this fantasy season. Quarterback, Justin Fields. Wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. Running backs, Jameer Gibbs and Brees Hall. Okay. Tight end was, I ended up picking up Isaiah Likely late, and I had Trey McBride after week eight. Okay. I picked up Puka Nakua. I picked up Devon A. Chan. Jesus. And on my bench, I also had George Pickens, Javante Williams. And at the very back end, late in the year, I had OBJ. Okay. Where do you think that this team went this fantasy season? I'm going to guess. I mean, there's a lot of points on that roster. Uh, maybe not everything lined up at the same time every single week. So I'm going to say maybe a, a four seed. Missed the playoffs. Damn. Fuck that. I, was, I ended up starting the season... 0-3, oh, 1-2, oh. lost two more. So I started the season 2-5. and five. And then with the talent I had, I went on a run. Win, loss, win, loss, win, win, win. And I ended up falling about probably 15 to 25-ish points short of passing the sixth seed mm-hmm. in the tiebreaker because there were a bunch of 8-6, and 7-7 seven, seven teams there that were all vying for playoff spots. And because I had that slow start, and I had two different weeks where I lost by less than a point. Dude. So if either of those losses turn to wins, I'm in the playoffs. And then I was scrolling through my leagues at the end of the year, just looking at like how each of my teams did, whether they were in the playoffs or not. And this team would have spanked everyone in the playoffs. That's the worst part. All man. three rounds. You, you can't. I mean, granted, we all do it. I definitely do it. But you just you can't look. It was a it was a PPR league, one flex, ESPN, and I think in the semis I would have put up like one fifty six, mm. and then I would have easily won it in week 17 as well that's painful now at least you're not the guy that bitches about when they have more teams than the playoff team no i mean i'm because there are I, I see a lot of that and i feel like i, I really shouldn't i, like, I, mean, I don't I know why like... people complain about that like yeah. I, I understand like complaining like oh that sucks but like people who actually like dwell on it they're like you know this, this, this bullshit setting wouldn't have fucked me out of the playoffs and i would have won it all point <laughs> that out well there's a lot of people that when this sort of thing happens when they have a stacked roster and they lose by like this much, or if they're in the top four, three, four, five in points, they always advocate for the win against the median to be mm-hmm. added into the league because <laughs> they know that if that like rule would be added into the standings, that their team would have made the playoffs. And 
<laughs> a different team could have been crowned a champion. But I get that. A I think bit. part of the fun in fantasy football is that aspect of luck of it because there are some people on one end of the spectrum that say fantasy football, hundred percent luck. You don't know who's going to do well. You don't know who's going to do bad. You could start the best player in the best matchup, and they put up three points, and then you start a backup tight end for the Browns. <laughs> you're, okay. you're, you're digging deep from your own heart in that one. Oh, you you know what I'm talking I, about. I know exactly one. what that is. And you know they put up two touchdowns <laughs> in a, and they're not even projected any points. Oh god, that aspect of it is luck, but there is an aspect of it that is work. Where it's yeah, of course it is. Where you know who's trending up, who's trending down. It's following practice reports, snap you, reports. You have a player stashed on your bench, ready for a often injured running back to get hurt because you know a three down workload is in that backups future mm-hmm. just those sort of things where i think it's like all right you can't blame it all on luck no you can't and if it was 100 percent luck then it would not have been legal up until like two years ago because it would have been considered gambling exactly now a player that i got lucky with and i will call my favorite pick of the year rashad white that's a hell of a pick for a yes. guy that for a running back that rushed for fewer than 1,000 yards he actually turned out to be a really productive fantasy asset this year yeah he was he ended up being in ppr leagues the RB4. Dude, that's nice. He put up double digit game or double digit point games in every week but one from week six on. That is nails right there. 15.9, 17.9, 27.9, 17.8, 17.8, 13, 19, 21, 21, 19, 8, which was in week 17. Could have hurt you. Could have hurt you in the championship. If you're going to pick one week. If you were going to pick one week to have a down week, that's not it. And then in week 18 at 13. So two thirds of the year was just double-digit points after double-digit points. And I got him in... He was one of my favorite picks in like the 6th, 7th, 8th round area mm-hmm. of drafts. It was either Rashad White, Javante Williams, or a combination of different receivers. And in a couple different leagues, I rolled the dice on Rashad White, and he ended up being my favorite pick of the year for the value that I got for him there. Now, who was your biggest surprise of the fantasy football season in 2023. Well, one of my surprises uh, was another member of that got that that Bucks team, Chris Godwin, who I think a lot of his uh, shares went to Rashad White. But my biggest surprise of the year is, is a rookie tight end finishing as the number one overall tight end in fantasy, and that's Sam Laporta for the Detroit Lions. Uh, we knew, I mean, he was coming into a high-profile offense from the start. He was a higher draft pick, one of the top three tight ends off the board in the NFL draft last year. Uh, but for him to not only usurp Travis Kelsey, who finished his tight end three, but to finish, I mean, a rookie tight end finishing his tight end one uh, in his rookie season is basically unheard of. I think it's been a very long time. I, mean, I think he broke like Mike Ditka's rookie tight end records from <laughs> 1960 or something like that. So for that, uh, Sam Laporta, biggest surprise of my fantasy year anyways. Yeah. And the other thing about fantasy tight ends is there's been so many super athletic, super hyped up, highly drafted in the NFL draft tight ends like TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. and Kyle Pitts and just name after name of first, even David Njoku, another mm-hmm. one. First round he pick. was a first round pick. There are so many tight ends where their athletic profile has the fantasy world just swooning over them. And tight end is a position that we've seen lately where it takes time for a player to ascend to the top of their position, no matter how athletic they are. And we saw glimpses of it in his rookie season with Kyle Pitts. Mm. Oh, that's the last glimpse we've seen. And the last two years, people are still buying the hype that they saw off his rookie season. And they were just praying that Atlanta would figure out how to use their weapons. We will get into that in a minute. That we will. But I will say that with 
Sam Laporta overcoming that like stigma, overcoming that just hurdle that all tight ends have to hurt, have to you know hurdle in their rookie seasons for him to just not only finish as a viable tight end but the tight end one. And in half PPR, he cleared the tight end two by twenty three points. Whew. Can you get, do you know who the tight end two was? Kelsey was three. <sighs> There's a good chance you're not going to guess it. You have to think for this one. Probably not. Um, but when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Because you said Kelsey was three. Kelsey was three. This guy is on a... Jackson, Jacksonville's tight end. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Bang. Got it. Got it. That's why he's the commish. That is. I had, I had to think about it for a second because Ingram was also a guy that I liked in like the seventh, eighth, ninth rounds mm-hmm. because it was either... I said in our preseason episodes, it was either Ingram... In Joku, or I'm throwing a dart in free agency. Mm-hmm. And dude, a lot of those people that threw darts ended up with Sam Laporta. Exactly. It, that was crazy that it, those two and how yep. they emerged late in the season helped a lot of my teams get to where they were going to get to. But I unfortunately only had one share of Sam Laporta this year, and it was in a dynasty draft. Didn't have any of them in redraft. My biggest surprise of the year, and this is kind of a two-way street, because one of them was a surprise disappointment, and the other one was a surprise elite asset in fantasy. The disappointment was Quentin Johnston. Man, the only rookie wide receiver from that run that went that didn't do anything really this year. Quentin Johnston ended up being the wide receiver 74. I didn't even know they ranked that low. You have to scroll a while on Fantasy Pros to get there. But in, in PPR, he did come on late. Weeks 13, 14, 15 had double-digit games. Double-digit game in week 10. But he was a guy that I was drafting in the 13th, 14th round because I I figured Keenan Allen has been often injured. Mike, Mike Williams, he got injured super early. Yep. Was that preseason when he got hurt? Uh, I don't think it was preseason, but it was very early. It was very, within the first couple of weeks. Very early in the season where he got hurt. And I thought for sure that with his athletic profile and the learning curve with wide receivers not being necessarily as high. Like I know that in like Jordan Addison's case, OBJ's case, a lot of rookie receivers, the first like month or so, you're kind of just stashing him at the end of your bench. You're like, okay, this guy's athletic. He's going to get his target soon enough. That's where I thought Johnston was going to be. But he didn't clear even four points until week eight. That's insane. When he had a ten point game. And you'd think with the with the with the high powered offense that we thought Herbie was gonna run this year. I mean, weapons everywhere, they're moving the ball a lot. New offensive coordinator. Yeah, a hot offensive coordinator yes. in Kellen Moore. One that had a lot of hype with mm-hmm. the fantasy circles. He had had coaching interviews last year. Yeah. So yeah, he, there was all kinds of hype surrounding that offense this year. And for Quentin Johnson to not be able to meet the expectation of going off the board at wide receiver fifty three, uh, I believe in ADP. Uh, it is just crazy, especially with the, I mean, he's the only guy that didn't hit from that wide receiver run in the first round of the draft last year. Between yeah. Addison hit him, Zay Flowers, Flowers was yeah. very good all season. Yep. My pleasant surprise for fantasy this year would be Raheem Mostert. Yeah. You gotta. He was a guy that I said earlier this season that he may be a sell high type of guy because I looked at his career lines, his career box scores, and it was like, he's been effective when he's been in, but he's never had that big of he's a He's never workload. had the longevity. Ever. Not once. He's never been that like full season Mm -hmm. workhorse type guy. And I thought with HN coming and Jeff Wilson was going to get healthy at some point, I thought Miami would be the stereotypical like San Fran model, Mm -hmm. like just frustrating backfield. And I thought that Raheem Mostert would eventually get passed up not once but twice in that backfield. Dead wrong. 
running back five on the season, even though he missed week 17 and 18. Still ended up as the RB5 with 17.8 PPR points per game. Easily a pleasant surprise when he was drafted 17th, 16th, free agent. Yeah, he was rounds. I mean, he was like your your last guy at the end of the bench draft pick in, in a lot of drafts. Yeah, he was the guy where it was like, all right, well, you know, Jeff Wilson's going to be out a while. Let me scoop up Mostert until that backfield's healthy, and then we'll reevaluate. Mostert, we didn't need to reevaluate at all because he ended up being, I think he, did he lead running backs in touchdowns this year? I think he did. I'm pretty sure he did. We can look it up for sure, but I'm I'm 90% positive that he did. Yes, he did. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 18. Do you know who second on the list was? Nope. Not a running back. Jalen Hurts. I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay. There were two quarterbacks that were tied Oh, with 15 rushing touchdowns each. Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts. All right. But that's, that's the thing. I, I would have given it. I would have done this, the exact same thing that you, you mentioned if I had drafted Raheem Mostert anywhere, which I didn't, which is probably why I sucked balls in all my redraft <laughs> leagues this year. But, dude, a guy who's 31 years old, who's never once in his career had a history of staying healthy, Mm-mm. I would have absolutely sold high on him midseason. Yes. 100%. I can guarantee you that. So I, I guess it's a, a lose-lose situation for me because I sucked in redraft because I didn't draft him and I probably would have sucked after I traded him. So, And I think that I don't think in any episode that we did advocate for selling Mostert. I don't think we did on like officially. I think there was a segment where I where I mentioned the workload with Mostert and said that I didn't believe on it long term. Nobody did. But I don't think that I ever said to, you know, make sure that you sell this guy at a certain point because if I did, that would have aged very poorly because he was a guy that I think was among the leaders with Kyron Williams and CMC of the most often championship teams. Mm-hmm. Front on that ESPN list that they put out there. <laughs> it's just amazing for how good he did and to play all all season long. Besides last week, or the last two weeks, I guess uh, for him to finish as far behind CMC as he did, despite having oh, an yeah. incredible season. Uh, we mentioned it before that if we were doing the the stereotypical like who's your MVP, like CMC ran away with it. Twenty twenty four and a half points per game, lapped the rest of the running back field in PPR by a hundred points. <laughs> That's absurd. 391.3 to 290.5. There, There's no one else that we would have mentioned for MVP. And we can give him that nod as just a side note as what the award would have been if these awards were on our old um, setup, I guess, yes. format, yeah, award format. format. Sure. We can go ahead and say it that way. So while the, the biggest surprises, now well, one of mine was a negative, but the other one was a definite positive. Let's go to a uh, a negative award here. And this is the award that replaces our bust of the year. But instead of just calling this player or this group of players or however you want to say it, instead of just calling them a bust, I want you to me- name a player that you believed in this year, but in the future. And it's a shame that Coogs isn't here to uh, give this uh, give this award out because it is the do not draft list. And as Coogs says, you're going on the list. Yes, sir. Who's making your do not draft list from this point forward? Where almost at this point, regardless of cost, you unless they're a steal, you're not going to take them again. Even if he's a steal, I'm probably not going to take him again because he's already a guy that was never he never had a high ADP because he's always been the second guy in a backfield. Uh, he's always been behind a one of the top running backs in the league usually, but he's been one of those valuable handcuffs and he's gotten opportunities where the guy in front of him has gotten hurt and the ball goes into his hand and it, so it's not like it's not like a value thing like you can live with picking this guy later in, in, in the like middle part or second half of the draft, and it's not going to kill your team. But I'm just trying to do it over and over, so that's why I'm putting A.J. Dillon on this part of the list. Because 
I just been like he's just so uninspiring, man. He just he doesn't do anything. He averages fewer than four yards a carry, actually fewer than three and a half yards a carry. Seven point eight fantasy points per game. Like, dude, in PPR, dude. Like, everybody keeps on every offseason. People talk about it. Running back forty two. Okay, which is <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I took him at like running back thirty, so, and he couldn't surpass that value. He was one spot below Kareem Hunt, one spot above Khalil Herbert, and two spots above Justice Hill. I see. I'm I'm just over this guy. <laughs> this is this is two or three years now where it's like, dude, have you seen the way this guy's built? This guy's got thighs the size of cedar trees. Oh yeah. Oh, like, yeah. This he, guy's born to be a this running guy back. Is a training camp picture hero. Yes. When it, when we get into August and the fantasy football world is bored of writing hype pieces, the pictures start rolling out from camp. Dude, this guy's got quads it bigger e- than my waist. Yes. It even happens in like May when they're I think doing. His Nick, is, is this Quadzilla? Is this? I think he's Quadzilla. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, and he's had like the thing is he's had his opportunities. So I'm not dropping him because uh, he just hasn't had a chance to perform a la Alexander Madison for a few years with Alan yes. Cook in front of him. But this is a guy who's had his opportunities and has been nothing less of absolutely uninspiring every single time he's touched the ball. And for that reason, uh, to quote Mark Cuban, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to go with a group of players, and basically this group of players is going to be your top guys from basically 2020, 2021-ish that still have name value, but we're seeing age just crack the surface now with a lot of these players, and I'm talking about players like, I mean, obviously Dalvin Cook. He signed signed on, didn't do anything with the Jets. Jets' offense fell apart. He may have had a completely different season if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt four plays in. So he he goes on the list. Derrick Henry is another one where I'm not buying that age regression at all. You don't think there's like a right situation for him next year? Like he goes to like a Baltimore or something like that? Now, with these players, this isn't a do not not draft at any cost type list. Gotcha. This isn't a you've burned me and now I refuse to ever put you on my team. Oh, that was very much much me with AJ Dillon. Okay. Like where he sees that bridge is burned. The do not draft list as it usually stands is usually comes with the caveats. Yeah, it comes with the caveats. When Coog says you're going on the list, Coogs isn't going to play that player for quite a while it took him four years to get on the joe mixon train <laughs> yeah Dak prescott he wrote off I mean, yeah so those type of players i'm talking about and not only derrick henry because derrick henry you have the age you have the uncertainty and there's a lot of miles on those tires there is along with that like zeke elliott there was hype that he could be the 1b in new england and he had some productive games i'll give zeke that like he late in the season i I believe against um pittsburgh he had that game with a bunch of catches and had two touchdowns no shock there because it's not a tough defense to go up against exactly but it was it's just those type of players that are kind of aging a little bit but that still have that top tier i might even throw joe mixon in the group i think might be about that time even though he produced i'm not going to say that i'm going to avoid joe mixon next year but if you look at the running backs that emerged at the top of the position in 2023, and CMC, he's not included in this because obviously you have an elite talent in an elite offense with an elite situation, and they're protecting him in a way that Carolina never did. Mm-hmm. Remember how hurt he like he would have little injuries on top of his major injuries yep. at the end and of they, his they, tenure in they, Carolina. They'd bring him back like right at the front of his availability window and then he get hurt again but yeah yeah 
Because everything re- revolved around him. Mm-hmm. And I understand why Carolina would do that. But I feel like CMC's move to San Francisco prolonged his career because they're using him smarter than Carolina ever did. But if you look at the top of the list here outside of CMC, Brees Hall, young guy, and he got off to a slow start, but he exploded in the back half of the season. 43 points in week 16, 27 in the fantasy championships, 29 in week 18. Like that's 80 point, over 80 points right there, 90 points off your most three important weeks if you go the full 18. Mm-hmm. But you look at the start there, it was like 0.9 in week two, three in week three, nine in week four. It took him a minute to get back from the injury and for the Jets to overcome Aaron Rodgers' injury as well. But then Travis Etienne, Rashad White, Kyron Williams, Bajan Robinson, even though he was misused all year, still finishes RB9. That's insane. That is so... Jameer Gibbs missed time. He still finished as RB10. I think one of the biggest focuses I'm going to have going into 2024 fantasy football is when it comes to those elite running backs in the top four rounds, because usually in the top four, I've always said I want two running backs out of the first four rounds. In those four rounds, I'm going to want two younger backs. And if it's a tiebreaker between, say, a Joe Mixon and a Jameer Gibbs or you know Joe Mixon and, or Alvin Kamara and Bijan Robinson, if in any case, now there's a discount with Kamara because he was suspended. Mm-hmm. But if he wasn't, he still finishes RB11. But we saw it with Austin Eckler in an offense that we expected him to be great in this year. He was like the third or fourth guy off the board in fantasy drafts. And there were plays with Eckler where it looked like he broke it, and then he would just get hawked 25 yards down the field when it that should have been a 60-yard touchdown. I'm just realizing, I'm not just realizing, I knew it was always there, but I'm more aware of avoiding that high 20-age fall-off that we have with running backs. And I think I'm going to focus more on my attention in 2024 with running backs on rookie deals. So where where kind of do you fall on Kamara? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you group him in with this group that you mentioned before, but uh, any, anything more to add on him? Well, like none of these guys that I mentioned are going to go on my like avoid at all costs, do not draft forever. Yeah. Coog's the list. The list. You just made the list. None of these guys are going on that list because there's a coach, like even with like a coaching change in, in you know, L.A., with a different situation now in New Orleans going forward, mm-hmm. especially with Kamara having you know a full year next year, none of these guys are going to be avoid at all costs, guys. But in draft rooms next fall, I'm just going to put the advantage more on the younger group than I am with these guys. Now, if these guys slip, let's say that I'm in the 2-3 the turn and there's three guys that I like, one of them's the young guy, and I'm hoping that like two of them fall in within my picks... I'm going to go with the young guy first, hope that the back, the older guy falls later because it won't be as big of a deal if I miss out on the older guy than the younger guy. Mm-hmm. So that'll just be like the tie. Like if you are, say that you're at like the three, four turn and some of these running backs are there like a, in say in this year's draft, like it wouldn't have been, all of these guys will have different ADPs next year. But if I'm debating between a, you know, a Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or James Cook, the less, the least amount of wear on the tires there is James Cook. Yes, it is. So if I'm at that turn and I want Barkley and Cook, I will take Cook first with less wear on his tires and hope that Barkley will fall. So I'm going to take, in each of these turns, take the younger guy first, hope the older guy falls. And that's going to be my philosophy for running backs if I'm breaking ties going into 2024. 
Okay. So that'll do it with our fantasy football awards for 2023. A little bit of a different spin on it now that we personalized it instead of the generic CMC as MVP debate. Not a debate, but <laughs> not not really. Not a do debate you think, at all. Do you think that he should be considered for MVP of the NFL? Yes. Okay. 100%. Why? Well, we know why he's not, but yeah, I would like to see a little bit more of that too. Because I, I feel like it's unfair at this point in the NFL that the MVP has strictly become a quarterback award. I feel like uh, in both the now, case of Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson, I feel like I don't really like either of those guys as MVPs because I think they're surrounded by such talent and their defense carries that carries their teams, especially Baltimore. I think their defense carries their team to a much higher degree than their offense does. Well, I think Lamar's going to run away with MVP this year. Yeah, but I don't think he's the best player in the league. I think he's a, a top-tier elite player, but I don't think yeah. he's the most valuable player. I don't think that it should take a record-setting season for a skilled guy to win MVP if he's the skilled player that's carrying the offense as far as that team's going to go. like He's if, the guy that makes Brock Purdy look as good as he looks. If Tyreek Hill would have surpassed 2,000 receiving yards, mm-hmm. and what did, what did he finish with? Uh, it was a lot lower than we thought because of the injuries towards the last couple of weeks. I think it's like 18, 17, 1800. He might have got passed by C.D. Lamb, actually. He finished with 1799, 50 yards above C.D. Lamb Okay, in one less game. So if he would have hit 2,000 receiving yards... And if Miami would have not faltered down the stretch and taken home the AFC's one seed with the way that Jalen Waddle kind of underperformed this year, and he was banged up for a lot of it, mm-hmm. but are you going to hand it to Tua or are you going to hand it to the guy that put up 2,000 of Tua's yards? I mean, take Tyreek out of that offense and see how they perform. Not well. Nope. So I I think that there should come a point where maybe they just come up with a different award you for know, the Lamar, quarterbacks. Lamar's going to have more MVPs than he has playoff wins. I think so. I'm just saying, like, now, like, he's the shoe in for MVP, so we're, accept- we're we're accepting that as Lamar is the MVP this year. But he only has one playoff win. And I don't know if he's going to no, add. No, I don't know the, if he's going to add to that now, total. This is where I'm, I'm going to ask the question, because yeah. this is going to be a good segue into what we're talking about next, which is the NFL playoffs. So Lamar is going to add his second MVP. Does he surpass that in playoff wins this year? It depends if the five, six, it depends if the five seed wins in the AFC and the six and seven seed lose in the first round, because that would incur a Joe Flacco visit to Baltimore in the divisional round. In which case, Joe Flacco don't lose playoff games well, in Baltimore. I, th- I think so. that you think, I'm, I think we both think that the Bills are going to boat race the Steelers. Yeah, I think that's a that's a solid bet. So seven seeds out. Dolphins go to Kansas City. Man, both teams are just not fun to watch, really. But I can't, I mean, th- the Dolphins are just too banged up. There's just no way. So that would mean that Cleveland will go to Baltimore for Baltimore's first game. If Cleveland wins their game. That that is a big thing there too. Well, the winner that would mean that the winner of the winner of that game goes to goes to Baltimore. So it could be Houston too. Okay, well it better be Cleveland. So I want to see a game. So I'll ask ask the question again: with your playoff predictions looming, oh man, does Lamar Jackson finish this these playoffs in this NFL season with more MVPs or playoff wins? Basically, does he win two playoff games this year? (sighs) Well. If we go specifically by the playoff predictions, which I I did not go game by game like a March Madness bracket and pick each game like that. Uh, when, when I saw the prompt for predicting the rest of the playoffs that we had in the spreadsheet this mm-hmm. week, and if I can if I can spoiler alert put my pick out there because it hasn't changed since preseason. Both the teams that I picked in preseason finishes the one seed in the NFC and the one seed in the in the AFC. So they're so going to carry on. I'm like, why am I going to change it now? That would mean that the answer would be he actually gets more playoff wins. 
three to two. Uh, it's because still, yeah, still close. But I mean, that would definitely help his resume as an elite quarterback yeah, uh, to, to even get to the Super Bowl. Would would, would shut yes. out everybody for sure. So yeah. So with that hinting into our playoff preview for this episode, let's go ahead and dig into these playoff matchups, starting with. And usually this is the segment we start our podcast with. But let's talk about our hometown Cleveland Browns. Ooh, 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 ooh. Coming off of a embarrassing backups versus starters loss to the Nobody. Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody cares. Bengals, you're welcome for your only division win of the year. <laughs> yeah, one in five. But it did add a cool side note to the AFC North that every team ends with a winning record. But I turned that game off by the end of the first quarter. I, I switched it to red zone. I'm like, they'll give updates when it's needed. There's other games that are more exciting. I'm not watching this full game when Red Zone is a couple channels over. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this week 17, or 18 game? I didn't care one bit about it. Okay. I wanted to get out healthy because we have no depth as it is or diminishing depth. Diminishing. 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 That's too many syllables. Words. We had depth that was less than optimal. Yes. So uh, just, you, just to get everybody out there healthy. Do you give any credit or any thought to the idea of quote-unquote, ruining momentum. You can't ruin momentum with players that you haven't played with. Okay. I mean, if it was I'm up, in the same boat. Dude, if it was up to me, I would have called up the old Cleveland Gladiators to come play that game <laughs> and rested all 53 guys in the roster. So uh, I think they absolutely made the right move with, with resting all the starters. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that are starters that weren't going to play anyways because they are still recovering. Uh, Amari Cooper being one that I'm keeping an eye on for this week. But no, yeah, come on. This game is meaningless. And yes. It's great to have the brownie points of saying we beat Cincinnati again because we own them. We own the Cincinnati Bengals yes. over the last five years. Or at least it would have been nice I'll say to, Kevin Stefanski owns the Cincinnati Bengals. And it would have been nice to, like, t- would have been tie the record for most wins in a season for the Browns. 12. At, at I think 12. it would have, yeah. <laughs> they, they probably set that when it was like a 12-game season. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not literally. Probably hit that in the 80s once or twice. But still, yeah, that would have been cool. But it's all stuff that doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't have any impact on the playoff chase. doesn't have any impact on how the playoffs are going to end up. So once the seating is locked in, there's nothing to play for. Now, in Week 18, there were a couple games that we were watching as Browns fans that were more important than our own. Mm-hmm. First one was on Saturday night, the mm-hmm. Indy and Houston game. That was a big one. Which... We both picked Houston to win, I believe. They did. In a nail-biter. And then we thought that Houston would be playing for a wild card because we assumed Jacksonville would take care of business against the lowly Tennessee Titans. Five wins? Four wins going to that game? Five wins? Five wins. Ended up 6-11. and 11. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry for assuming that Jacksonville would beat them. It's really ironic to me that last year in the playoffs, I was talking down on Jacksonville saying that I didn't respect them as a playoff team because of their division. Mm-hmm. And then in the playoffs in round one, they were down like 31 to mm-hmm. nothing. Or was it 31 or 28? 28 nothing. 28 nothing, and then ended up losing that game. And I remember during wildcard round, as I was work- as I was working, I was driving people around because it was a weekend night. And I remember before I left the house, I left the house as that game was a blowout, and I put on social media... This is why this team didn't belong in the playoffs. And the Chargers <laughs> blew it. And that post blew up <laughs> at the fact that they were like, oh, see, this is why they did blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I mean, you kind of got to wear that I, one. I, I had to wear it because it was a take that aged terribly. Which one in 50 times. But it was incredibly ironic that the team I didn't believe in last year ended up choking away the playoff position this year in nearly the same fashion that the Colts lost their playoff 
a few years or their win and in playoff game in like week 18 like a year ago or two years ago Mm -hmm. where it was like assumed that indy would beat jacksonville and jacksonville just whooped them from start to finish jacksonville was never close in this game week 18 no it was not a game at all and i was were you hoping that Jacksonville would win that game so that we would play Jacksonville? Yeah, I, I, I really because CJ Stroud is just such an enigma, and he's playing so well. He's the shoe, the shoe in for rookie of the year, and he's obviously immensely talented. He's got the dual threat capabilities, and the rookie head coach there, D'Amico Ryan's, has just done an incredible job commanding that team from going from having a two, the number two overall pick in last year's rookie draft all the way to winning the division this year, the AFC South. That's an incredible job out of them. So they've got momentum on their side. Uh, they've got they, they've got talent. I mean, Nico Collins is a game burner. He's, he's a burner. Yes. Uh, they got dudes, man. They got uh, Derek Stingley is an excellent cornerback for them. So they got guys on both sides of the ball. I did not want to play Houston at all. It doesn't mean I don't think we can beat them. Obviously, I've seen uh, some sports books having the Browns favored by as much as three, which is a lot going on the road. So obviously, I, the Browns are probably the more complete team the more well-rounded team, even with all the injuries. But, yeah, like we said in last week's episode, I think it was last week's episode, this is the team I wanted to see absolute less because yeah, for I all the reasons. I would have rather – Jacksonville would have been my top pick because they're not playing well right now. Mm-hmm. And they lost they, five out of six in the year. And it's that starts with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is playing awful right now. He's all kinds of dinged up too. And the second team I would have wanted to see would have been Indy because they – I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a bit dinged up, even though he played well this week. And they just don't have that C.J. Stroud factor. Exactly. And like you said, with C.J. Stroud now... It just takes one game, you know? And we saw it with him last year, playing Georgia as as one of the best college games I've ever seen a quarterback play. And he was a big reason why a lot of people didn't think Ohio State could beat Georgia. And they didn't. But that wasn't necessarily his fault. His top receiver got knocked out with what should have been targeting. Uh-huh. And then, on top of that, he set them up to win the game. Kick goes 30 yards wide left. Yeah, I mean, Happy New Year. That was right at 12 o'clock. Yep. The ball dropped at the same time as that kick. But it was that game that showed the NFL world and showed football fans everywhere, this guy steps up in big games. Dude slings it, man. Dude slings it. I and, love C.J. Stroud. but And we lucked out the fact that the Browns didn't play C.J. Stroud when they matched up in Week 16 when the Browns blew out the Texans. They didn't have a few of their top defensive guys. They didn't have C.J. Stroud. So with all of this factored in, we both said we didn't want to play the Texans. Now we're playing the Texans. We gave C.J. Stroud his flowers now. Do you think that C.J. Stroud, and I think Will Anderson wasn't there week 16. He's going to be playing in this game. Yep. There was a corner that I think was out in week 16 that's going to be playing in this game now. So they get two two or maybe three pieces back on their defense. What do you see happening? And not necessarily your prediction, but how do you see this game going in Houston on Saturday at 4.30? I think it's going to be a little different than Week 16. I don't think that the Browns are going to be up 30, or they're going to put up 30 by the fourth quarter with the Texans putting up six or seven or whatever it was by that. Yeah, they, I mean, it was a I blowout think, to the point where we're like, rest your starters. Yeah, Get they, them they, out of there they scored, I think the Texans scored two garbage time touchdowns in the fourth. To make With it our backups. A little bit closer, yeah. So they, I, they gave up those two touchdowns and our backups left the game and our starters came back in. Yeah, that did happen. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a tough... I think it's going to be a gritty game, man. I think it's going to be a gritty game because, like I said, and you, usually on paper you'd be like, dude, give me the rookie quarterback and the rookie coach in this yeah. game. But th- there's just so much talent 
and with C.J. Stroud. And D'Amico Rice is already one, one of my favorite coaches in the league just for what he's done this year. Obviously, they got dudes on that defense. Uh, Nico Collins is a dog for sure. So there's a lot of different ways this can go. I, I think it's going to be gritty because I think that the, all those good things for the Texans are things that I know Jim Schwartz and the Browns and Kevin Stefanski are planning for. And they, the Browns, I can say for the first time maybe ever in my life, have stellar leadership in the locker room i mean and and joe flacco just adds on to that joe flacco may not be the most talented quarterback in this playoffs at this stage of his career he's 38 years old okay yeah but the leadership ability and the experience that he brings as kind of a supplement to what stefanski brings and bill callahan brings and jim schwartz brings and 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 a lot of other guys a lot of other veteran guys in that coaching staff they know what these moments are like so I think for that reason, looking, trying to look at this as objectively as possible, I do give the Browns the edge because the unit has come together so co- like the cohesiveness with this Browns unit, despite all the injuries, despite all the all the backlash from everything that's gone on so far, uh, they've stuck together, and I, I think it's one of those. I think back to that. Uh, what's what's that movie with uh, Al Pacino in it? Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. There's like you look at the you look at the man next to you. Like I think it's I, it, like I think that's it's a gonna locker. make the fucking difference between winning and yes. losing. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. I think that it's a guy that any guy in that locker room would fight for any other guy in that locker room. I think that I think that they're a group that's that that will go that inch with you. Will go that inch, game inches. But absolutely, that's exactly, it's kind of exactly what I feel like. I how that, run to a wall after yes. that fucking speech. Jim Brown, Jim Brown's in there in the locker room for that that talk. And they're wearing the Jim Brown on the chest. Yeah, now see, it lines up. Yep. It's lining up. Yeah, Jim Brown in that in that movie. Uh, and like I said, yeah, so uh, it's lining up now. All right, Brown's by 50. <laughs> <laughs> Brown's by a million. But seriously, I, I do think that those things that I mentioned, um, I think they all come into play there. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are going up against the rookie quarterback and rookie head coach. And I think that there's something to be said for that. We're, the, the part of that that scares, scares me a little bit is that they kind of have nothing to lose. Yes. So, I mean, they're going to be aggressive. I mean I, I mean, I would expect Houston to be very aggressive from the jump. They don't have a strong running game. They do have good running backs, but they don't have a strong running game. Which we don't either. No, we don't. But I think that Jerome Ford is better than both Singletary and Damian Pierce. In my opinion, and uh, but yeah, I think like I said, Houston's going to come out guns a blazing. Uh, so I'd be ready for that. But I think that I, I think that we're able to plan for that, and I think that we should keep our heads and be able to hold them. Okay. Now for the Stefanski side of this, because we already talked about how Ryan's has just revitalized the Texans, and I know a lot of people have said that oh, the Deshaun Watson trade is what revitalized the Texans. There is not much from that trade that Houston is going to be able to use in this game. The best asset that they got out of just those picks by themselves was Tank Dell. And, Tank uh, Dell is injured, same as Deshaun Watson. The offensive lineman that they took with one of those picks is one of the worst in the league. And then they used what, the other pick. C.J. Stroud was not a part of that deal. If you're listening to this and thinking that the Browns gave up C.J. Stroud to get Deshaun Watson, that's not how this went down. Not even close. C.J. Stroud would not have been there when the Browns picked at 12. He got taken at 2. If you remember correctly, the Texans traded back up into that draft using that 12th pick to take Will Anderson. Now, you could say Will Anderson is in that deal, but the Texans also gave up next year's one to Arizona to go and get that pick. So, with that being said, a lot of the narrative this week is going to be the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. trade revenge game, when really... The Browns don't have Deshaun Watson, and there's not much on the Texans' side that's going to contribute to this game. So with all of that being said, from that side of the narrative, we can cross that narrative off the list. 
but a narrative that we've had going all season long is the Kevin Stefanski narrative in Cleveland. And that is him going from a former coach of the year to local people around here screaming to fire him as early as as recently as two months ago. Yes. To give you an idea of what Stefanski is coaching for right now, if he wins this game, he will be sitting as one of two coaches in Brown's history to have a over 500 record in the NFL playoffs. Paul Brown. Paul Brown's the other one. If you look at the Browns playoff record by coaches, Paul Brown was 9-5 and five with seven championships. That's okay. Second on the list was Blanton Collier with three playoff wins. He was 3-4. and four. He was coaching Paul Brown's team with a with a one championship. Schottenheimer was two and four. God bless Marty. No championships. If Stefanski win wins this game, he breaks the tie with Bill Belichick, who was one and one as a Browns head coach in the playoffs. Breaks that tie to go to two and one. Ties Schottenheimer with playoff wins and is one of two coaches with Paul Brown to have an over five hundred record in the playoffs. Really, I mean, you know, that's the true storyline. If you think about it, Kevin Stefanski is the best coach in Browns history. because Hopefully by the end of this tenure, he's This Browns team maybe. started in 1999, so let's just call it what it is. But I wanted to throw that storyline into this side that's, note of, that's of all this. That's crazy, though, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the, the 22 coaches that they have listed here, and only six of them have playoff wins. Damn, dude, we suck. Including Stefanski. It, it is a pathetic staff. <sighs> Sam Ritigliano's got to be on that list, right? Uh, I don't see him. Either. Okay, well, we suck more than I thought we did. <laughs> Let's see the who was the who was the six? No, Ritigliano was zero and two. Damn, lost the divisional and lost the wild card eighty two in nineteen eighty. Right, Schottenheimer right. took over after that and won two, lost four. Never should have fired Schottenheimer. Bud Carson in nineteen eighty nine went one and one. Bill mm-hmm. Belichick went one and one in ninety four. Butch Davis 0 and 1 in 2002. Stefanski went 1 and 1 in 2020. That's so, a stalwart list right there. Yes, it's not a great list, but if you look at the list of coaches that have playoff wins in Browns history, Stefanski has a chance to jump into history right now as one of four coaches to have multiple playoff wins, and he's the only one of the one of or one of two that will be over 500 with multiple playoff wins. Let's do it, Kevin. Coach of the year two times. Let's sign, do it. Sign me up for that. Let's do it. I guess we could have the same conversation about Kevin being coach of the year two times and having one playoff win as we just had about Lamar Jackson being MVP and having one that, playoff win. That's so. right. Now, before we move on to these other games, we can kind of speed through the other games. Give me your prediction for Browns-Texans. High scoring, low scoring. How does Flacco do? What does the game come down to? I can see it being a high scoring nail biter, honestly. I think it comes down to the Browns defense getting a stop at the end of the game when it matters. Okay. I can see them having their struggles early on, especially like like I said, if if CJ does come out the way I think they should come out with and that offense, can our defense shut down Stroud? That's another question I wanted to ask. They just need one stop. We just need one so stop. You're thinking Madden game, kinda, not necessarily. Where it's like take advantage, I, score before the half, score after the half, sort of. Yeah, to it's a, like it might be it might be a whoever has the ball last wins. Because for all of you Madden players out there, and I'm a former online Madden gamer. I haven't played it since like the 20. 20- 15 version but i used to play online all the time and the key was take advantage of halftime mm-hmm. and get at least one turnover i think that like i said it, it all depends on if the texans come out the way i think they should come out just aggressive from the jump because like i said these guys have nothing to lose they've earned what now don't get me wrong they've earned their spot to get here no question but the rookie head coach the rookie quarterback i think that they should come out guns a blazing and 
if it works out, then that's when it could turn into one of those games. And like I said, I think it's going to come down to a big brown stop uh, at the end of the game. And okay. I, I do have it being a very close to that. I guess I'll take the Browns covering because I've seen them like one and a half, two most places. Yeah, so I, I think, think I've seen it anywhere between two and a half and one and a half. Yeah, I think I, I'll take the Browns to cover by that field goal. And thank God that we're in a dome because Riley Patterson is not good outside of a dome. And it does suck that we're not going to have Dusty. Yeah, it sucks not have Dustin Hopkins. That was released today by by Kevin. Uh, so, but thank God, I, like, I really don't want Riley Patterson to be our playoff kicker. But if there's a hopefully game, this is the only game he needs to do it. I hope Dusty so. Dusty heal up quick. I hope so because he is better. He's much better in a dome uh, than he is anywhere else, and he's not good from distance. But besides that, I do think it's a field goal game. I do think the Browns are going to prevail in the end. Okay, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than you were thinking. I think our defense is going to step up. I think that their defense is going to be keyed in. On not letting Flacco do what he did last time. Mm-hmm. And not letting Amari Cooper do what he did last time. Do we even know if Amari Cooper's playing this week? I would bet that he does. I hope so. He had a week of, I mean, a week of rest. He was a DNP today. Yeah. But he said a, he said a week of rest. If it's still recording this on a Tuesday, early in the week. So I think that our team is pretty much going to be full go thanks to resting our starters against Cincy. Um, but I actually think it's going to come down to, can Joe Flacco not have the turnovers that he's been having in just about every game. And so far, thanks to the schedule that we've had, the easy back end of the schedule that we circled in the preseason, I've been circling it the entire year. I was like, this is the stretch of games where we're going to make a run. We did. And in that stretch, it happened that the turnovers that Joe Flacco had, and he had multiple in a few of those games. Mm-hmm. He had a pick six? Where he, he had a pick six. He had a pick down to the one yard line. And I think that was in the the Rams game mm-hmm. or the Broncos game. He played the one of game. one of those one of those losses there. Yeah, you're right. But he had a pick six. He had a pick down to like the one. He's had a lot of turnovers in just about all of these games, or at least one in every game. If he keeps it to one turnover, I think we win this game. That's fair because I think that the Browns have gotten good enough where they're using the short passing game as an extension of the run because they know that this isn't the Nick Chubb running game that we had. If we had Nick Chubb <sighs> in this playoff Super Bowl. run. This would be incredible. Super Bowl. But we're limited with the run. So I think the extension of the short passing game as substitute for our running game is going to lead to a lot of Joe Flacco passing yards again. I don't think Amari Cooper is going to go off for 265 setting the franchise record again. But I do think that all of our passing weapons, I think he's going to spread the ball around. Maybe throw it to 8, 10 guys. And it's going to be an extension of that short passing game the entire way. If he can avoid turning the ball over multiple times, one uh, is fine. One, especially if it doesn't hurt us. Give anybody one. If it's an arm punt, that'd be great if that's your only turnover. But if he does turn the ball over multiple times in a close game, that's when I think it is going to hurt us. But to Flacco's credit, I don't think he's ever lost a playoff road game. Now we're getting into the shit that makes me nervous. Because there's a lot of stuff, man. There's like, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. I don't like all these people being in favor of the Browns. Like it's it's making me yes. it's, it's making me nervous. Like yes. everybody's like like Stephen A's like oh the, the Browns are a, a dark horse for the Super Bowl. Like uh, just stop, just stop. And, and like that's a common sentiment. And then obviously we're everybody's bringing up the yeah. stats like Joe Burr or Joe, Burr, Joe, Joe Flacco, <laughs> Joe Flacco in road playoff games in general. Joe Flacco in wild card games is is like road the road wild game road undefeated undefeated either way. Yeah. Just stop talking about this shit. Stop. You're making you're making me nervous. We can't we, like just just please stop. But yes. Anyways, so I think it comes down to that because in that playoff run by Joe Flacco that made the entire is Joe Flacco elite 
conversation, mm-hmm. a decade long standing, like almost a joke at this point, like elite <laughs> Joe Flacco. But if he doesn't turn the ball over, which in that Super Bowl run, zero picks, nothing. If he does that, this team can go as far as they want. But in each game so far, he's had turnovers. If he limits that, we win the game. This game does make me nervous because it's on the road. CJ Stroud. I feel like a lot of people, I'm, I don't think that the team will underestimate CJ Shroud and the Texans. No, no. I don't think that that's going to be a thing, but they've got some momentum. We have some momentum, and I don't necessarily believe in the momentum carrying over into the playoffs, but the fact that they're getting CJ Shroud back negates the time that we played them before. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the Browns to win by four. Okay. I think so. it's going to be a game where maybe what I'm hoping for is a game where we're winning by like 10 and or winning by 11 and they score late to make it a four point game. And then our defense stands, as you said, late in the game and we don't need a Riley Patterson game winning field goal. Dude, stop. Don't That's not it. what I want. That's what I'm saying though. I think it's going to come down to a big Browns defensive stop by the end of the game. Whatever score you think it is, I'll, I'll throw mine out there. I'll say 30-27 Browns. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring because I think our defense is going to play their asses off. I think it's going to be. So. I think it's going to be like twenty four twenty. All right, Browns. Good. Either way, Browns cover. Browns move on. Yes. So we're both picking the Browns. Let's move on to. So let's dig into these other games for the wild card round, and we can go as in depth or as or speed through these games as much as you would like here. But let's start with the AFC side of things and the wild card game between the seven seed Steelers. How the fuck did they do that? And the two seed Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bills by 50 next. <laughs> now, in this game, the Steelers luck out again. Okay, they luck out and get another 0-1 playoff resume. Good good for fun. Hey, way to go. Hey, Mike Tomlin. And hats off to you. Chris, Sims, Chris Sims hit stick podcast. It was funny that he was like, it was funny that I think up until the Steelers like clinched their spot in the playoffs, Chris Sims, Hit Stick Podcast, had kind of resigned himself to rooting for the Browns in the playoffs this year. That's he said to, that he liked the Joe Flacco story. He, <laughs> I can see you shaking your head. Steelers fans are so but he weird, was, man. He, he, to his credit, he has family that are Browns fans. He has friends that are Browns fans. Okay. And he has more level-headed Browns takes than just about any Steelers fan I know. Yeah, and so, he has more level-headed Steelers takes than most people I say, too. That's so also I'll, accurate. I will give that's him That's also accurate. I mean, we give him a lot of credit on this podcast, yes. and I will also give him... But it is kind of like ironic that for two reasons, he switched his rooting interest. A, the Steelers made the playoffs by some miracle. Thank you, Jacksonville. Fucking typical. Fucking Jacksonville. And it, it doesn't it feel like every year there's something in week 18, some miracle. Just to get boat raced. Like they, we, I mean, we saw the Ben Roethlisberger funeral in Kansas City, two or three. Like, I mean, they, they, congrats on them for making the playoffs, and congrats on them for, for all the Steelers fans who hate Mike Tomlin. But then at the end of the season, they're like, "Oh, you finished my five hundred again!" Congrats, another Con- another playoff. Congrats. Enjoy the first three and a half months of next year debating on if Tomlin should be fired or not. So, way to go. <laughs> But his other reason was also that Browns fans apparently got the Browns fans that he knows that are like friends of his social media acquaintances of his people that are Browns fans that are either in his mentions or in his ear talk too much shit about the Browns making the playoffs. So then he backtracked rooting for the Browns and said he was going to root against them. But also his Steelers made the playoffs. So it made it a whole lot easier to 
switch his allegiance okay. once that happens. Uh, I mean, I mean, Browns fans are pretty obnoxious. Just, we are, to be not, fair. Definitely not me. I'm not a Browns <laughs> I uh, can be pretty obnoxious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I got like banned from a Browns fan group <laughs> for calling out stupid people. So <laughs> that that is what it is. I understand if you hate Browns fans. <laughs> so do I. Sometimes it's fair. <laughs> I understand. I get it. I get it, Sims. I understand. Root for your team. <laughs> but no TJ Watt. Yeah. The line was already 10 when I woke up this morning. And I even said, because I was, this morning I woke up and fed the little one, took him down for his nap. And I'm sitting there, I'm rocking him. I'm like, let me look at FanDuel. Let me see what kind of bets I want to make this week. And I looked and they didn't have any prop bets up yet for like players, like player props. And I wanted to see like what kind of parlays I wanted to do. Like I want to see what Joe Flacco's passing like props would be. Yeah. Like his attempts and yardage and stuff like that. But none of that was up yet. So I only looked at the over-unders and the lines of each game. And I looked at the game with the Steelers and the Bills. Bills are favored by 10. And this was before the TJ Watt news came out. This line could go even higher. That feels like a lot of points for a playoff game, doesn't it? That's just what we've come accustomed to in the last three or four years of the Steelers. I mean, they, they, they backdoor their way into the final playoff spot. They play a far superior far superior team in terms of talent and here they are for their, their every i guess every year the steelers funeral is just watching week one of the playoffs now to give you an idea of playoff lines that have been double digit games or double digit lines in playoff games chiefs hosting pittsburgh chiefs hosting pittsburgh was the last one that was in 2021 that was an 11 and a half point spread chiefs won by 21 oh what a shame in 2020 new orleans hosted chicago the line was 10 and a half they won by 12 mm-hmm. 21 to 9 tampa hosted washington or tampa was at washington in the wild card round of 2020 i feel like washington covered that they did wow tampa 31 with tom brady washington yeah. and that was the tyler, Ta- taylor, taylor heineke taylor. game yep yep and the tampa bay bucks won 31 to 23 on their way to the super bowl hmm. not bad so they didn't cover the spread there now in 2019 in the divisional round kansas city Against Houston, 10-point spread, 20-point win. Wow. Baltimore against Tennessee, 10-point spread, lost by 16. (laughs) That was the game where Tennessee sent Lamar home. Oh, losers. And then in 2017, New England hosted Tennessee, 13-and-a-half-point spread, and New England won 35-14. to Yeah. So with all of these double-digit spreads in mind, I'm not going to ask you if Buffalo wins this game, because... I th- Pittsburgh is 1 in 10 without TJ Watt. That's pretty bad. They've already announced that they're not starting their starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who is healthy. They're starting Mason Rudolph. Mason's on a tear, man. Does Buffalo cover 10 points? At Double home, digits. You know, Buffalo is 5 and 0 oh since the 9/11 comments leaked. Hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, do they cover the spread? Yes, I think they're going to galvanize like a group of terrorists. <laughs> coordinate a, a, a strong attack on the Steelers' offense and defense. So yes, I think the I think the Bills will cover that ten. Can but, the weather keep it close? Uh, you would think so because that's usually the rule of thumb is that bad weather can keep games like that close. It would be a concern, I guess. But if the Steelers can't get anything going through the because they've been like they've been doing this by you saw like the big play by Deontay Johnson in that Ravens game. Uh, they've been doing stuff because they struggled to beat the Ravens backups. Yes, they did. And in, in bad weather, even still, to their credit. Even still, the way that they've been doing it, and I know Najee Harris has kind of emerged over the last few weeks, like, quote-unquote, emerged. I know he's become a better runner than he was the first half of the season, but 
Mason Rudolph's also throwing for 300 yards, and that's what's keeping them in these games. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to do that in bad weather. So I think the I think the Bills cover either way. And on the Bills side of things, I made sure to note this because this has been what I was talking about before when we were debating which teams would make the wild card. We thought that the Bills would kick the Steelers out mm-hmm. when it was still like week 12 ish. But the Bills were five and five. People writing them off as being dead in the water. Josh Allen turning the ball over too much. They had just lost to Denver. 24-22, and people are like, Buffalo's done. After that happened, they won five straight, and they won Elliott 59-yard field goal from Philly mm-hmm. from winning seven straight. And not only did they go on a tear with their backs against the wall playing playoff caliber football every step along the way to claw their way into these playoffs, but they clawed their way into a home game in the two seed. <laughs> the two seed. They clawed their way into the two seed is, they won- is a hell of a sentence. <laughs> they won five straight in the games that they won at Kansas City, Dallas, at the Chargers, New England, and at Miami. I mean, four three, to wrap up the season. Three out of five of those are really like stellar opponents. Yes. Three, I mean, three of those are playoff teams. Yeah. And then there's three of the, New England, who's yeah. a divisional game, and the Chargers, who they played on the road. And they lost. Don't forget, they lost New England. Early in the season. Early in the season, yes. When they were playing like shit. Mm-hmm. But the Bills have been playing caliber playoff caliber football for almost two months, two now. months now. Yeah. And now you get a hobbled Pittsburgh team with their backup quarterback without their best player who carries them to just about all of their wins. This is Bobby Boucher and the mud dogs of <laughs> Waterboy. And they don't have their Waterboy. Yeah. I mean, that's about it. I have... I thought about taking Pittsburgh plus 10 because it's a lot of points for a playoff game. It is. Especially if the weather's bad. It only takes a couple turnovers by Josh Allen for this to be a six point, four point Buffalo win. But I have zero doubt in my mind that Buffalo wins this game. Every every time Josh Allen turns the ball over, Mason Rudolph will do it that then and again. Yes. I mean, and I, I, the Steelers do have, they're, they're getting some pieces back on defense. I, I think Mink is supposed to be back. Uh, I know Alex Highsmith can be a game wrecker. But I don't think any addition from their injured list offsets the loss no. of TJ Watt. No, not at all. TJ Watt mean, is the heart and soul of that team. He's the reason why they are not a 6-11 and 11 team. He's the only reason why they could even be in the conversation of covering this game. Because even with him, I still don't know if they cover that 10 points. And when I was looking at it this morning, I was like, that 10 looks tasty. And then the more and more I think about it, I was like, I can't do it. I can't. It's I can't make lot. this bet. It is. A it's lot. a. It's a lot of points, and I still might make it. But I went from this morning thinking, "Oh, I'm doing that," like putting the ten points with Pittsburgh, and thinking that Buffalo just doesn't blow them out. Well, you also have to factor in the, the Pittsburgh bullshit that happens because there's lots. There's all kinds of bullshit that happens with Pittsburgh games. So it's. But to sum this up, it's not a question of if Buffalo wins; it's if they cover, and the, the covering would be two scores. Good. So. That brings us to the Tyreek Hill revenge game. The Peacock game. The Peacock game. Are you going to buy Peacock for this? Or do you have Peacock to watch this? I don't, but I know a lot of Swifties will. Oh, yes, for sure. I Do you think you buy the conspiracy that they're like, hey, this is the Taylor Swift game. I do. Let's get the Taylor Swift fans to buy Peacock. I buy it. I do buy it. You're the conspiracy guy. I figured that you would. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in on that. Now, who are you picking to win this game? Chiefs. Dolphins are too banged up. Dolphins are banged up, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And they did just and pick up, they, they picked up Justin Houston today and Bruce Irvin. And frankly, until the Chiefs prove that they're not going to host an AFC championship, I'm going to keep picking them. Mm-hmm. 
because the last half decade, the AFC Championship has been the Mahomes Invitational. It's been the Chiefs Bowl. Yeah, the Mahomes Invitational is a great way to put it. It's like Kansas City and who do they want to invite in? Because they're hosting it and they're playing in it in the last half decade. And most of those times they've won. Mm -hmm. Gone to three Super Bowls, won two. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game, especially being at home, especially if it's cold. Yeah. Oh, it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be around zero that night in Kansas City. And not only the fact that the weather is going to be going against a warm weather team and a team that is super banged up and playing like shit, Mm -hmm. to be honest, but the fact that with Kansas City and losing their best defensive pieces in a blowout loss when they lost Bradley Chubb, that's what told me like, okay, they're not ready for a Mahomes and the Chiefs have their questions. They've looked bad over the last half season, mm-hmm. but you have Patrick Mahomes. Yep, and they st- and you know what? What's I feel like one thing that's getting lost in the fray about the Chiefs is that even with all the offensive question marks, their defense is playing pretty damn good football. Yeah, so that's gonna it's playoff time. You know that's gonna keep them in the in the race for a while. I mean, Andy Reid coaching advantage, Patrick Mahomes quarterback advantage. You're at home. The weather will be in your favor. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Chiefs all day here. Yeah. Now for. We've picked the rounds, we've picked the Bills, and we've picked the Chiefs unanimously on the AFC side of things. Let's dig into the NFC, starting with the seven-seed Green Bay Packers, led by a surprising Jordan Love. I'll ask a question about Jordan Love in a second. I was okay. about to ask you right there, but I'm not going to. Okay. This is the uh, Des didn't catch it revenge game. <laughs> yes, it is. Who do you have in this game? Still going with Dallas. I mean, Dallas is just uh, they're they're so high powered, and and CD doing what he does. He's he's a total game breaker. Uh, just on an absolute ungodly tear lately. Um, I think I think that the Packers are about a year away from really being a contender. Uh, I mean, good good on them for getting in this year. They deserved it, no question about it. I believe in the I believe in the talent they have. I believe in the direction they're heading. I just don't think that this is the year for them to make a run uh, with that talent. So I, I do I do see Dallas taking this one. Okay. I'm also going to take Dallas in this game, but the question I wanted to ask you involving Green Bay is, is Jordan Love or has Jordan Love shown enough this season that he is the next man up into the Favre Rodgers franchise quarterback of Lambeau? I mean, do you, do you want me to put him in the echelon of those guys? or no, just Not like yet, the... but I mean, we saw when, when Favre started that he wasn't that great for them. When Rodgers started, he was not that great for them. Both of those guys won a Super Bowl within like four years at that point. Yes. But the thing is that once they established themselves as the Green Bay quarterback, in year one, they didn't show as much as Jordan Love has. Is Jordan Love that next guy up? Did Green Bay luck out? And did we unfairly criticize Green Bay for making this pick and driving Rodgers away? I think that Jordan Love is the guy. I do believe in Jordan Love. I believe in the strides that he's taken this year. They've surrounded him with a decent amount of talent in that wide receiver core. A lot of young talent. They got Lots Wicks. Of, they yep, got Lots Watson. of young guys. Dobbs. Uh, yes. They got two really good tight ends, too. Tucker Craft and uh, the guy that's hurt the last few weeks. I can't remember the name of. But either way, I think they do have enough talent on offense. Um, I, th- I think Jordan Love's the guy. Yeah, going for it. I think he's due for an extension, too. So they got to make that call this offseason as well. But I think Jordan Love has shown enough this season uh, with his hands on the reins. He's guided them to a playoff berth in a year that a lot of people, I think, didn't expect that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think I, I think Jordan Love's got my vote. Yeah, I, I think that if you're Green Bay, for the amount that you've sacrificed to make Jordan Love your guy, if he showed anything, you have to back him. Yeah. And he showed more than just anything. He showed a lot. I mean, as I have, there's Green Bay stuff hanging up on our office right here. We're a Packers podcast. 
I mean, there's Green Bay stuff right there. There's Brown stuff right there. And then there's sports memorabilia going around the whole rest of the wall. But there is a section here that is Green Bay stuff. And as a Green Bay supporter, I'm not going to say just fan because Browns have my fandom. But as a Green Bay supporter, as a team that I watched when the Browns were not here, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up watching football, even this year, I did not expect anything from Green Bay. Most of the time in our pick I picked against them. If I look at my record picking Green Bay games, I picked them seven times and I picked against them ten. In the ten wow. games I picked against them, they were five and five. In the games I picked them, they were four and three. Total record of nine and eight. So that shows my faith that I had in Green Bay early on in the season. And for them to make the playoffs, and they beat the Bears handily to get there, for Green Bay to make this playoff push with the one of the youngest rosters in football, I think that is it's a step in the right direction, but I'm picking Dallas to win this game. But I think that Dallas winning this game is going to fuel a narrative going forward for the rest of Jordan Love's career. What's that? I think it's going to be a... You know how like when, when Dallas goes up against San Fran or when Green Bay will go up against San Fran, there's history in the playoffs between these NFC teams. Like there was history of San Fran knocking off Green Bay repeatedly in the Mm -hmm. NFC playoffs. There was history of the Packers knocking off the Cowboys repeatedly. This is a very classic NFC battle. This is a classic NFC battle. This is the Desden-Ketchit battle. Mm -hmm. And that was also a playoff game. So I think that this is the start of a narrative for Jordan Love where Dallas gets the best of him this game. And then going forward the rest of his career... He's going to match up with Dallas more in the playoffs, and he's going to get the best of them. And the narrative is going to be, can he, at first it's going to be, can he avenge the loss of his first playoff start? And then I think the narrative after that will be, can Dallas avenge their curse of Green Bay quarterbacks? Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. Rapid fire. Uh, Over the next three years, will Jordan Love be a better quarterback than Dak Prescott? Oof. They'll be in the same tier. Okay. I think they'll maybe alternate better years because there's been Dax had a great year this, had, this year. He's had this year. He was in question. He was in conversation for MVP for a good portion of the season, and before that, he was also heavily criticized as not being the guy. There were questions of will Trey Lance take his spot in this preseason, but or is he worth the money that Jerry Jones is paying him? Mm-hmm. I think that neither are Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Neither are ever going to be running the conference i think i need one or the other three years from today we're, we're sitting here at this table on january 9th of 2027 is dak prescott the better quarterback or is jordan love the better quarterback you gotta pick one in, in three years jordan love okay all right because after this year i think jordan love will start to ascend and i think that this year is the best we've seen from dak prescott or the best we will see from Dak. Prescott. so this is his ceiling year i think so okay because this right. is this was the is he in the mvp discussion year when i don't think he's he's that guy you're not, you're not that, that guy, pal. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> I think he's in the lower tier where occasionally on some seasons he'll have a great season and he'll have a playoff run. But I think that Jordan Love is also in his younger years already in that same tier. Could he develop higher? Maybe. I'm not going to go ahead and say he's the next Aaron Rodgers right now, but he's off to a better start in his first year starting than Aaron Rodgers was. So with that being said, I think that they will end up I don't think either of these guys will ever be the best quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. So, but will they have alternating years in the future of which one's better, which one had the better year? Yeah. And to Jordan Love's credit right now, he's working with young receivers while Dak's working with CeeDee Lamb. 
And Mike McCarthy, by the way. If C.D. Lamb, if the next C.D. Lamb is either of these young guys from the Packers, or if the Packers draft the next C.D. Lamb somehow down the road, then the tables will turn. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Packers need to establish that elite wide receiver for Jordan Love to reach his ceiling. Because in all of Aaron Rodgers' great seasons, all of Brett Favre's great seasons, there was Donald Driver, there was Jordy Nelson, there was... Javante Adams. Mm -hmm. There was all of those guys that was like... Greg Jennings on a broken leg. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. There was always that security blanket where it's like, okay, third and 14, where am I going? Mm -hmm. That guy. No matter what the coverage is. It's the Travis Kelsey to Patrick Mahomes. They need to figure out who that guy is going to be for Jordan Love. So we both picked the Cowboys in that one for this year. Mm -hmm. Next up, the Stafford Bowl. I'm so excited to watch this This is the most interesting game of the week. Yes, I am so excited. And I'm a Browns fan. And I think that if I take a step back from my Browns fandom, the Stafford Bowl has more intrigue in this because oh, yeah. not only do you have the Stafford and Goff storylines, but you also have all of the people that have jumped on the Lions bandwagon while you have the Rams, who everyone has overlooked this year, just writing them off as, oh, they're having a down year. They'll, they'll be back eventually. They're in the playoffs now. Don't tell me we picked the same team in this one. Are we both picking the Rams? Dude, come on. <laughs> yes, I'm, picking, I'm the Rams. picking the Rams. I'm the Rams too. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I feel like I'm like anti-narrative by picking this. I'm like anti-popular like narrative, which I've been that guy. Oh, a few times. Uh, more than a few. <laughs> but I, I'm picking the Rams in this game. They have the experience. They have... It just lines up, man. It lines up perfectly. They have the better defense. They have the better coach. They have the better quarterback. You line those three things up and then, let's face it, Detroit is as cursed as Cleveland is. Yes, which is which, which is why it kind of hurts me a little bit to go against them in, in this situation because things have just been going so right for the Lions, and I've I've been wanting to root for them. I have. I, the The Rams are coming into this game, and America is going to view them as the villain, a hundred percent. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch, man. Is this the four o'clock game on on Sunday? I don't know. I know that there's the. It's either four o'clock or or Sunday night because Pittsburgh's at one o'clock, and obviously the Chiefs are on Saturday. I know it's Eagles. a Sunday game, but yeah. I don't know which. Either time. way, it's going to be a good 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 time slot. Yeah, it it's the Matt Stafford Bowl, and I think that Matt Stafford gets the best better end of this <laughs> game. I'm, I was hoping that you weren't going to be on the same <laughs> wavelength as me. Yeah, but we're on the same same path here. That brings us to another interesting game here, and it's a battle of negative storylines. Yeah. It's Eagles. At Bucks, rounding out the weekend. Yes. So the Eagles finished the regular season in the free in free fall. They lost five of their last six. They gave up the division lead. They lost to Arizona and they lost to the Giants. And they almost lost to the Giants twice to make it six in a row. Damn. They got destroyed by San Francisco, forty-two to nineteen. They got destroyed by Dallas, thirty-three to thirteen. And then you have the Bucks, who are hosting the playoff game. Who, in order to secure the worst division in football, the NFC South, beat the worst team in football, the Carolina Panthers, nine to nothing. Barn no, no touchdowns. It is a barn burner. It was the ugliest game of the week in a game that I expected. And I thought Baker would step up for this one. I thought it was for sure going to be like a game where like Mike Evans gets his mm-hmm. and Chris Godwin gets his, Rashad White gets his. I thought that this was going to be a, all right, Baker balls out, gets two touchdowns by halftime. And then they're resting their guys knowing that they beat the Panthers. What do you favor more here? The momentum is going against the Eagles. The home team is Tampa. And the talent and the experience goes with Philly. Who are you going to pick 
And what's your reasoning? What's your takeaway from this four versus five matchup? I'm still going to go Eagles in this one. Uh, I just think they have the talent advantage. And, and, and all the credit in the world to Todd Bowles and, and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had an incredible year. He had his best year as a pro. Uh, single, I mean, 20-plus touchdowns, single-digit interceptions. It's not too far off from his 2020 season uh, where the Browns went to the playoffs and they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in the wildcard weekend. Uh, I, I wouldn't count out a similar scenario happening this year with the Bucks and, and the Eagles. The Bucks are hosting the Eagles this time. Baker Mayfield plays in a home playoff game for the first time. But I, I, I think that the Eagles are at least, and, and yes, they are in free fall right now, but I think that they're good enough to regroup with the talent that they have. I mean, you look at you look at Tampa Bay. They've had all kinds of, they have aging veterans. They have guys that left, left the team on both sides of the ball. Um, it, it's just tough. I can see it going either way, but like I said, um, and, and all the credit in the world to, for, to Tampa Bay for getting to this point because, uh, and granted, it's a terrible division. It, it's just that that's just the facts of the matter. They won a terrible division without winning the double-digit games. Uh, could this be a situation where we saw the Saints go into Seattle? The beast quake. Yes, as heavy favorites where the, where the division winners just happened to win that game largely by virtue of the fact that they were home. I don't know if it's going to be that situation, but it, it certainly could be. But like I said, Philly has the talent advantage. They've been here before. I think that they have enough within them to regroup and see like, okay, all this shit that just happened where we, we crumbled, we stumbled to finish line, like terrible worst case scenario finish the season. I think that they at least have enough to regroup and they have the talent advantage enough to win them at least this game. Yeah, I'm going to agree. And we've agreed with every wild card matchup so far. Where's Cougs when we need him? I know. We need somebody to differentiate the opinions here. But as I mentioned, Eagles finishing in free fall, but this is what they call the new season. It's the next season. Mm -hmm. Everything in the regular season goes out the window once the playoffs start. And you have the better quarterback. You have the better coach. You have the better talent. You have the better offensive line. You are, I mean, every position arguably across the board, you have better talent than the Bucks. And the only thing that's going against Philly right now is the momentum, which you can give that as much or as little credit as you want. Yep. So there's there's also people out there that say that there is no such thing as momentum exactly. once the regular season ends. No such thing as momentum, period. So the five of six that Philly has just lost could mean absolutely nothing. And the fact that the Bucks are, you know, won a game to win their division in week 18 could mean absolutely nothing. We've seen better teams win road games against worse teams in the wild card round before. I'm taking the Eagles in this. And a lot of people around Cleveland are going to be saying, oh, well, Baker won his division. Baker's hosting a playoff game. We shouldn't have gotten rid of him. Oh, my God. Stop. If Can you imagine if the Browns were in the NFC South? Please stop. We would have run the table. Please stop. So both taking Eagles in this one. So with that being said, I didn't expect this to happen, but we've taken the Browns, we've taken the Bills, we've taken the Chiefs, we've taken the Boys, Rams, and the Eagles, which leads us to in the AFC. Let's go ahead and predict the re- or let's go ahead and predict the rest of these playoffs and start with the AFC. And judging by our picks, we have the Chiefs going to or no, we have the Browns going to the Baltimore Ravens. Who you got? I mean, I'm just going to stay consistent, and I'm going to say, I mean, that's probably a game where Baltimore, that's probably the team that Baltimore least wants to see, maybe in the entire AFC playoffs. Um, and I think that's probably going to be a, a five and a half point spread, maybe in that game, uh, maybe six, because, I mean, Baltimore's just good. I'm hoping that the rust comes into play that week. Yes. Desperately hoping that the rust comes into play. Uh, that playoff Lamar falls flat on a fa- uh, flat on his face, just like he did against Tennessee a few years ago. I, I fear that they've learned their lessons. 
since then, and they're going to come out with a little bit more tenacity. Uh, I fear the storylines of which is just this is just bullshit that just floats around in my head. But like the the Harbaugh thing with 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 the team up north winning the championship and the Ravens. John Harbaugh was at the game and he took that in the Ravens locker room and he he pumped them up and now they're all inspired because the Harbaughs. Like fuck that shit. But like, could this be the year of the Harbaughs? Just maybe. stop. I I would I would I would give at least a kidney, maybe two, to see the Browns win this game. Uh. I guess if if I was a betting man and you put a gun to my head to pick one, I, I probably wouldn't bet on it to happen. So I am gonna and I'm gonna stay consistent, like I said, with my preseason picks, and that kind of makes this this decision a little easier because I am just gonna stick with my preseason pick. Uh, I'm gonna say Baltimore wins that one. Okay, so now we're going with the Chiefs traveling to Buffalo. I think Buffalo gets their win. I think Buffalo gets their win. Josh Allen beats Mahomes in the playoffs finally. So we're lockstep to the AFC. So yeah, far. of course we are. This makes this sense. is not a debate show. Now, can I see Patrick Mahomes getting the best of oh, Josh Allen? Sure. Yes, 100%. Especially if they unlock the Travis Kelsey from the 13-second game. Mm-hmm. If they unlock that, then I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. But it's in the scenario that we have here, the trip to the AFC Championship can't go through Arrowhead with the teams that we have left. So we have the Browns eliminated to the the Ravens, and then we have Buffalo against Kansas City. I'm going to go ahead and take Buffalo. Dude, and that's I would be- love. That's because of what I mentioned before multiple times, where they've been playing playoff football for two months. Yep. And you just know that the teams that go into the playoffs, and they've been playing with their back against the wall, it's different than momentum. It's not the same as momentum. If you're flying high 13-3 and three and you've won six straight and you've won comfortably and you're just riding out the one seed that's that's momentum what the bills have right now is desperation when a team is playing desperate is when they get super fucking hot especially when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference going into week 18 they had not locked up a playoff spot correct if they lost to miami there there were situations where they were going to get bounced Mm -hmm. so now we have buffalo at baltimore do we finally go our separate ways in the AFC here? I think Buffalo is the pick I would like to see. If I could pick any team from the AFC right now to play to to spoil Baltimore's season, it would be Buffalo. Um, I mean, besides us. Besides us. Well, yes. I'm just saying I'm saying objectively, purely objectively, talent-wise, on paper, matchups, mm-hmm. it would be Buffalo. Um, I think under a lot of I think I'm I think I would under a lot of situations take Buffalo in this game, but like I said, I'm going to stay consistent to my preseason pick for for better or for worse. And so riding I, it out with Harbaugh. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride ride the Ravens to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna go with Buffalo. I'd love to see it. Playoff experience, better quarterback. Even though Lamar's had a great year, I'm still taking Josh Allen over uh, Lamar Jackson every time. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna take Buffalo, and that means that you have Buffalo or you have Baltimore in the Super Bowl. I have Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Let's go to the NFC side of things where. We have the five seed Eagles going to the one seed San Francisco 49ers. I don't think that would be a game. No, probably not. I think San Fran blows them out. Yep, I go San Fran. We also have the six seeded, or no, I'm sorry, the six seeded Rams in our prediction would go to they San would, Fran. They would go to San Fran, and I have the same result. And I don't think it would. I don't think it would be as much of a blowout as Maybe it not would. As much. I think San Fran would blow out Philly in that scenario, but I don't think San Fran blows out the Rams. Divisional game, used to each other have a lot of experience going head-to-head. I think the Rams win a semi-close game in that one. The Rams win? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Man. San Fran Love beats the fun. Rams in a semi-close, probably six to seven, six to eight-point game, okay. something like that, Thir- 21-13, somewhere in that ballpark. 
that means that we have the Eagles going to the Cowboys. Divisional game. Another fun divisional matchup. Two divisional games wrapping up the NFC here. Who you got? You know, the Cowboys are going to choke at some point in the NFC playoffs, so why not now? Okay. Give me the Eagles going in, because they. I think that the Eagles, like I said, they have a chance to regroup in this Tampa Bay game. They're going to carry that, like, hey, look look at us. We, we did find it. We can win a playoff game. We are who we thought we were. They are who we thought they were. We are who we thought they were. And uh, we are who we thought we were, is what the Eagles are going to be saying. Nick Sirianni is going to be saying. Jason Kelsey is going to be saying. And uh, I, I think that they carry that, whether you believe in it, in it as a uh, a faction of of playoff success, they're going to carry that momentum into that Dallas game. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna step it up a notch because they're like they, like I said, they proved it to themselves that they can do it. They're gonna go in. They're gonna face a divisional foe that they know very well, and then they come out of Dallas with a win because Dallas just doesn't win the playoffs these days. So that's that's how it's gonna end up. I'm gonna go with Dallas in that one in a in a rare post wild card round win for the Dallas Cowboys. I think they break the slump of, or they break the um, narrative that they can't win after the wild card round. But I think it's might, mainly because the Eagles had an easy game, relatively easy game against the Bucks. But it doesn't hide that their team has not been playing well. Mm-hmm. Dallas has been playing pretty well for quite a while now, even though they haven't had the desperation aspect of things. Dallas is at home. Dallas has been playing better. I think they carry that over and they win this game. But I think that that leads to our NFC Championship game where you have Philly against San Fran, correct? Mm-hmm. I have Dallas against San Fran. San Fran blows out Dallas in mine. Okay. I think San Fran probably handles Philadelphia. I'm, yeah. I'm talking like double-digit type win. Where like they're... Forty-two to fifteen type game. I think it's. I think it would get ugly, and I think a large part of it would be because of their making up for that quarterback debacle of last year. Yes, and I, yes. Where I, it's like our, we have Purdy now, we have our weapons now, and we're going to run this shit through. And, and to be honest, I've said it for weeks now. No team in the NFC is close to San Fran. San Fran has blown out every team that has been even discussed at the top of the NFC rankings. So, I have San Fran blowing out Dallas. You have San Fran comfortably beating Philly, I think it which becomes, means we I, get to our Super Bowls. I think it becomes, for me, I'll just go with my Super Bowl first. I think it becomes a, a kind of a revenge tour. I think that San Fran gets revenge on last year's NFC Championship game against Philly. Mm-hmm. They take the win. I think that San Fran gets a revenge on the Week 16 game. And I guess if you want to go far back enough, uh, the time that the two teams met up in the Super Bowl 10 yep. years ago. Uh I think San Fran gets revenge on Baltimore, and they do hoist the Lombardi Trophy this season. I'm going to also pick San Fran over Buffalo. Man, Buffalo again losing in the Super Bowl. An- another oh, one. my gosh. Another heartbreaker another for one. Josh Allen. But I do think that this would be a field goal at the buzzer game. <sighs> That'd be fun. I would love to watch the San Fran-Buffalo Super Bowl. I would not love to watch the San Fran-Baltimore Super Bowl. Right now, I do think that San Fran would be, I mean, in my opinion— Head and shoulders, the favorite to win the Super Bowl, and clearly, we, I mean, they, we, we are both, the betting favorite right now. We did both pick them to win it, but it's different from this year to most years' betting favorite because this year they just look so much better than everybody else. And the talent they added mid-season as well—it's yeah. just insane, insane. They added more to their defense, which was already was just already nasty. A- Purdy's playing great, except for the one game he was benched that ruined his MVP talk. Mm-hmm. But they don't need him to be great. They just need him to just get the playmakers the ball. And their defense will do the rest. And I think that yep. that's going to carry them over Buffalo. And I think the difference in that Super my Super Bowl, which is San Fran and Buffalo, would be Josh Allen. San Fran would force Josh Allen to turn the ball over. 
which, which he's, he's prone, prone to, to do way too much this yep, year. He's been prone to do those turnovers would finally bite Josh Allen in the ass. San Fran wins the Super Bowl in February in Vegas. So, so I, I guess I'm buying into the conspiracy, the logo conspiracy. I don't know if you've seen that going around. Is it San Fran Buffalo with the colors? Yes. No, oh. it's, no, it's San Fran Baltimore with the colors. Oh, so, you are buying yeah. it. Which I wasn't buying. I didn't know that. You are a conspiracy guy. I, I, I am. I didn't. I, I, I wasn't really. I didn't know that was a thing until a few weeks ago. But yeah, I did. Like see I said, that you know, I'm just sticking with my preseason pick. So and my, we we sat here at this very same table and we picked our Super Bowls. You did say that. I, I'm, I'm just. I got to stay consistent. So that's what it's going to be. Uh, Otherwise, now if, if if I wasn't to stay consistent with that, obviously it'd be Browns. Of course. I mean, it, it goes without saying. If the Browns go ahead and wreck our predictions, I'm not going to be oh, mad. What a shame. <laughs> So that'll do it for episode 121 of the Corner Sports Podcast, and I'll do it for our regular season episodes of the Corner Sports Podcast. So this is our, our finale for the fifth season of fantasy football that we've helped you guys with. We thank all of you guys for your listens. We thank all of you guys for all of your questions. We thank all of you guys for um, all of your support throughout the year. If your team is in the playoffs, good luck to them, unless they are playing our Cleveland Browns. And with that being said, Paul... Say your piece, and we'll let a recording of Coogs sign us out, because we can't let go of this season without no, a peace out. We can't end it without the, the most proper ending. But yeah, I mean, Week 18, thank you. If you're listening to this point, thank you for being uh, coming with us on this marathon and then getting to the Magical end, journey. Getting to the end of the race, and hope you ever find something of value in this podcast this season. If you got any suggestions, uh, questions that you want to hear answered about things that we can do to be better on this podcast, better to help you find that fantasy football championship which hopefully we found a few of you to that road uh this season uh let us know you know where to find us we'll always be active on social throughout the the off season as well obviously we're only three four months from draft time so it's coming up quick set up those spring episodes yeah talk about some rookies we are right around the corner so you know where to find us by this point thank you for listening and thank you for joining us and with that i will pass it on to the immortal words of brandon coogs googling coogs sign us out we appreciate it. We love you guys. Love your neighbor. Give somebody a high five. Support local business. Peace out. God damn it. Take three from the top. I don't even know what I want to say here. I already did the intro. <clears throat> All right. All right. <laughs> Take four. <laughs> Where's Coogs when you need him? Let's stay composed, ladies and gentlemen. Take four from the top. All right. From the top. <laughs>